0: Hello everyone and welcome to this latest Regulation Tomorrow podcast. I'm Simon Lovegrove and I'm joined today by Peter Snowden and Matthew Gregory. Hello Peter. Hello Matthew. Hi Simon. Hi Simon. Today we're going to take a look at FCA Discussion Paper 21.1, Strengthening Our Financial Promotion Rules for High-Risk Investments and Firms Approving Financial Promotions. Peter, I want to start by putting the discussion paper into context. It really shouldn't have been a bolt out of the blue for firms. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the background to the paper? Simon, that, that's
1: absolutely right. I mean, its not uh, it shouldn't be seen in, in isolation. Um, in fact, dp one is part of a much wider uh, sort of move by, by the FCA. And it needs to be seen as part of a number of acts or interventions by the regulator to tackle that risk of consumer detriment. Particularly from high risk type uh, investments. Uh, Other other relevant um, papers include things like um, PS 2015, which was on the marketing of uh, speculative uh, illiquid securities. Um, But we also need to remember that uh, we had the call for input on the consumer investment market, which closed uh, on the 15th of December uh, last year. Uh, And of course, we need to remember that the SCA had already underlined its commitment to the consumer investments as part of its priorities uh, in its business plan for 2020 to 2021.
0: Thanks, Peter. I just want to keep with you for a moment. In your view, what is the key headline from the discussion paper?
1: Well, for me, the, the key headline point is the rather surprising statement in the paper, which when the FCA says that for high risk investments, a good financial promotion may not be enough to ensure that consumers are adequately protected, which, you know, when you pause and think about it's quite a a leading statement to make, essentially saying even good advertisements are not going to protect
0: uh, consumers. Thanks, Peter. Um, That was a really interesting point. Matthew, just turning to you now, what was the key takeaway for you? Yeah, thanks, Simon. I think really the key takeaway
2: for me builds on The point that Peter mentioned, which is going back to the earlier research paper from the FCA, the research found that over four in ten of those surveyed didn't view losing some money as a potential risk of investing, and that is really quite stark. And if you think about the types of investments that are in scope of this discussion paper, and that were considered as part of that research paper, so higher risk investments and In particular, the research paper earlier was considering cryptocurrencies and foreign exchange. If you, as a firm in this sector, think about that research and really what that means for consumers and the way that they approach investments in this particular sector, that really should guide what to expect from the output from this discussion paper and some of the other interventions from the FCA. We'll talk, it, I think, in a moment about some of the specifics of the discussion paper, but the idea of positive friction and introducing further uh, safeguards for consumers to ensure they don't simply click through to, uh, to access an investment is really, really important. And the way that the regulator develops rules to address that will be key for firms.
0: Yes, indeed. I remember uh, writing about the SCA research report in for the Regulation Tomorrow blog, and some of the statistics in there are are, are quite significant. Okay, let's move on to the discussion paper itself. Matthew, I want to start with you. In your view, what are the key talking points in Chapters 3 and 5 of the discussion paper? These cover the classification of high-risk investments and the role of the Section 21 approver. Yeah, thanks, Simon. So Chapter 3 really looks
2: closely at the way in which the regulatory regime classifies high-risk investments at the moment. and The FCA's intention here is to consider whether really there are other types of investments beyond those which are currently within the scope of the marketing restrictions for retail investors, so things like non-readily realisable securities, P2P agreements and so on, to see whether actually that net should be broadened out. Not only that, but the discussion paper is seeking views on Changes to the, the classification itself and the level of marketing restrictions that apply to those. So there's a, a view that potentially there's arbitrage out there at the moment in the context of rules for SIS. And there may be changes to the definition of some of these uh these current high-risk investments, as well as broadening out the net, as I mentioned. So that's what chapter three is looking at. And then you pick up the role of a Section 21 approver in, in Chapter 5, and that's quite interesting in the sense that at the moment the, the, the regime permits authorised firms to approve financial promotions of unauthorised firms and, and covered briefly the, the idea of marketing restrictions at the moment. Just thinking about the FCA's interventions in the context of, of mini-bonds to, to ban the sale to retail investors, following on from um, well well publicised uh, issues in, in that sector, this I think in chapter five the discussion is focusing on that some of the some of the issues really um, that arose there. So at the moment, the role of the section twenty one approver is to approve the financial promotion in accordance with the relevant rules applicable to that product, and. There's an appreciation here, I think, by the regulator that perhaps the role of the Section 21 approve of the authorised firm really needs to be expanded so that that isn't the end of their responsibility, but perhaps needs to go further to check compliance with rules on an ongoing basis. And so the FCA at the moment is seeking views on what those responsibilities should look like. But again, I think this is extending the, the ambit of the regulatory regime in connection with unauthorized firms who have a role in in connection with these types of high-risk invest, investments potentially as, as issuers and so on
0: and so forth thanks Matthew lots to think about that uh, turning to you Peter now uh, for you what were the key talking points in chapter four of the discussion paper that deals with further segmenting the high-risk investments market um uh, thank thanks
1: Simon I think First thing is to touch on a point Matthew's already mentioned, which is around um, the 45% uh, did not view losing money as a potential risk, which I think is worth repeating. Um, and some of the FCA's research shows that apparently current warnings are seen as white noise um, by investors. Uh, and the group that they're concerned about seems to be more likely to jump to higher risk investments more quickly than more traditional um, investment audiences, um, and they don't appear to match their risk to their risk appetite. Um, so they rely on things like gut instinct, novelty, and and perception of others' investment success. And I think that sort of ties in with some of the stories that one reads about. You know, people uh, looking at investment in various types of cryptocurrencies, and 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 uh, a perception that others are making money while they're not. Um, and the SCA then is looking at whether its learning in, on other higher risk investments um, can be used um, to, to better protect this group. Um, so, one of the uh, proposals that the SCA has put forward is that they should, they should strengthen the obligations in the categorization process. So, when they're categorizing, when firms are categorizing people uh, as, as higher risk customers, they need to improve the obligations imposed on firms. Um, They also want to take steps to help consumers to better categorize themselves. Um, And they are also looking at new risk warnings uh, and trying to make those risk warnings more effective and perhaps using some of the learning that they've had from from other higher risk uh, investments, um, such as the um, speculative um, illiquid investments warnings. They've also they they're also discussing the possibility of using more visual warnings rather than, I guess, than than written warnings. And they're also suggesting that they could introduce positive friction um, into the into the process, into the into the customer journey. And that would include things like additional cooling off periods or just in time videos or uh, requiring um, investors to take an online test. Now, I imagine a lot of firms will be have concerns about that. Because, of course, some of those, some of that positive friction uh, will seem to be uh, possibly not well received by some of those investors who just want to get on invest. But there you are. That's a that's possibly a separate discussion.
0: Okay, Peter, thanks for that. Uh, Matthew, I want to turn to you now just for the final question. And it's one of our standard questions that we often ask in these podcasts. Uh, what should firms be doing in response to this discussion paper for example can they sit back and do nothing what should they be doing thanks Simon yeah no uh,
2: this is one of those where I think it's important to get out ahead of uh, the potential rules and the system changes which might result I mean what one needs to do at the moment will very much depend on the type of firm that that you are uh, active in and the particular sector and products and so on so picking up that point, Peter mentioned on positive friction, the impact of rules in that regard to ensure that consumers investing in high-risk investments don't simply click through risk warnings, and Peter says, they've been described as as white noise by the regulator. The scale of that impact probably depend on the type of product that we're talking about. You think of non-readily realisable securities, P&P agreements in particular, the rules at the moment effectively require a an appropriateness assessment to, to be to be gone through and so in order for these particular types of products to be, to be sold to retail clients so actually what some of these changes mean may depend on the particular types of products the way in which they're sold the strategy and so on but I do think it's important for firms now to map out the possible changes based on the obvious direction of travel from the regulator not just in this discussion paper but also In the
0: other material that we mentioned earlier. Thanks, Matthew. I very much agree with that comment about getting ahead of the curve. Okay, thanks very much to Peter and Matthew for their thoughts today. The closing date for responses to the discussion paper is 1st of July uh, this year. Uh, Many thanks for listening. Goodbye.